back in my Nestle times, we used yeah. to say, if Nestle knew what Nestle knows, how do you figure out who is working on what, who is learning what, and how can you share that? Welcome to the Innovation Metrics Podcast, all about measuring innovation, innovation accounting, and managing the uncertain process of developing new, sustainable, and profitable business models. Our guest and co-host today is Oliver Dura, who is on a mission to empower purpose-driven pioneers and leaders so they can unleash their full potential for impact. His 15-year-plus global track record of fostering innovation, corporate entrepreneurship, and learning includes large enterprises, SMBs, and tech startups across Europe, Southeast Asia, and Silicon Valley. He holds a Master's of Science in Business Administration and is a certified Lean Innovation Coach. Oliver is the founder of Swiss Sleep, where they help entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to navigate uncertainty and lead change. Welcome to the show, Oliver. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So maybe enlighten us quickly who you worked for before you went out on your own or mm -hmm. found the company. Do you want to do that? Sure. Thanks. Um, I've basically been... Uh, a corporate intrapreneur or a corporate entrepreneur for 10 years with Nestle right after university. And I did pretty much anything starting out in marketing, the product management and moved over to the, what I like to refer as the dark side of, <laughs> or the, the, the darker side of, of the force uh, sales. So I did key account management uh, for, for a while. And I uh, was lucky to get the opportunity to build a, an actual corporate startup with the Nescafe Dolce Gusto business unit, which I believe is still today probably one of the fastest growing business units and brands within the Nestle sphere. And last but not least, I uh, had the huge opportunity and pleasure to launch uh, a market uh, with Myanmar, Nestle Myanmar, where I was... Uh, responsible for marketing in a new market. So it was the second last remaining white spot uh, next to North Korea. And um, after the, let's say, Nestle uh, decade, I uh, went into Migro, which is um, a Swiss, uh, the largest Swiss private employer. And they cover pretty much everything from uh, retail over to electronic goods, leisure, education, banking, petrol stations, you name it. And so it's it's an amazing territory for, for an entrepreneur and innovation geek like myself. And yeah. I had the mission to build yet another corporate startup and build the digital ex extension of their education portfolio for Micro Club School, which are also Switzerland's biggest vocational training institution, private vocational training institution. And um, so back to your intro, that's where... Um, I encountered firsthand the, let's say, the challenges of how to not just behave entrepreneurially and apply these methods of lean innovation, of design thinking, you know, lean startup, agile, and trying to learn experimentally. But um, in order to do so, align with the organizational leadership in terms of why is it a good thing to do that and how do we do this and how can it be of a mutual benefit for the organization at large and this corporate startup this little virus that tries to go viral within the organization 
Yeah, fantastic. So maybe you name, if you want to name a few, like what were the biggest, what do you think were the biggest um, roadblocks or like limiting factors to, to enable that kind of behavior that is ultimately good for the company? Why is, you know, why is a company not letting that happen? I believe maybe the biggest or one of the biggest was truly getting uh, to level with company leadership to really get a common understanding what it was we were trying to achieve and why we chose the way to go about it we did. And so this whole notion of build, measure, learn and really measuring what matters um, this notion of learning being the primary factor ahead of classical KPIs that you can measure like revenue, uh, customers, and so on and so forth. When you're pre-revenue, pre-customer, and you're just trying to de-risk your idea to find out whether you're onto something, um, that was, I think, one of the key challenges. And it took me a while to, uh, in a number of ways, figure out how to communicate that. And the best way was just to involve leadership, to really have them experience it rather than just trying to present it and explain it and all this and all that. It was really uh, involving them, running a workshop and actually having empathy internally. So not just with external potential customers and early adopters, but really with internal stakeholders and especially right. leaders. And it helped to not only have them understand, but at the same time, involve them and um, give them a better stake, let's say, into the project, because then all their reservations or concerns, we could turn them, we could onboard them, take them on and actually turn them into assumptions, hypotheses, test them. And then it was pretty much apolitical as a discussion to have, it was more evidence-based and it was, okay, here's the feedback we've gathered from the market, from customers, from early adopters. And yes, you may have been right or no, turns out this was wrong, but here's the insight that we gained. From that. But so, you say, you think they're missing, like that's obviously my bias and that's obviously the bias of the show, but there is probably a measurement issue that you describe, like something where a governance issue, like how can we actually look at what they're doing, right? Yes. And so you started helping them, like to say, look, there's mm -hmm. still a way of reporting, there's still a way of, of gathering sensible insights into what this team is doing or where this product is at, even though there's no revenue and you know ROI doesn't make sense yet and so on. Mm -hmm. So you actually practically help them to say, look, look at these indicators rather than those indicators or something like that. And exactly, is that right? Exactly. And it you want to maybe enlighten us a bit there. I, I would say that was probably half of the of the job was really how can you um, show and by basically leveraging this, turning this into a win-win where it makes it for you very clear which metrics are you following and then aligning on this set of metrics in a as simple as possible dashboard, <clears throat> pardon, with senior leadership, with our sponsors, so that we have as much alignment as possible on what are the key metrics that we're following and which is the frequency of reporting. So what is the cycle speed of our experiments? Yeah. And uh, nice. also to which degree do we 
um, make decisions on that, basically allocate resources, whether it's time, people, Are you happy to dive money. in? Like there are like a few things already, like I would love to dive yes. in. Like, so like your dashboard, like what did your mm-hmm. first dashboard look like? What were the KPIs? I'm, I'm not sure what you can mm-hmm. and cannot say. Obviously, there's a bit of a, you know... <laughs> Uh, to to make I mean, it yeah, that's the downside. That's the you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's obviously that's a, that's a tricky one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, or or can you use proxies or so? Uh, let me try. I I try to be more specific. So yet, I haven't I haven't sent Oliver enough. any questions. Everything is just <laughs> super confronting. Just here and here it's now and in the moment. Like um, <laughs> so one to give a very specific example. One was typically okay. Um, the first version of the website will be in one language only and we decided it would be german and switzerland being a multilingual country um, of course there was a certain pressure also to represent uh, the french speaking and the italian speaking part and ideally potentially translate the whole thing into english uh, because we wanted to reach a super regional potentially international audience with this with this uh, startup initiative um, we, however, decided together with leadership that we would stick to one language version only, which we would use the German version to test what was working in terms of on-site content. So is it visual? Is it short form text? Is it long form text? Is it blog posts? Is it uh, what kind of offering? How does it connect with the existing offering? How can we blend online and offline trainings and so on and so forth? And that was one of the first things that we basically nailed and said, okay, guys, you will not find this in French. Uh, You will not find it in Italian. We will, however, then once we figured out what works and we are confident uh, to an 80, 20 degree level that this is where we want to be, then we will translate and we will fine tune further. So to be very specific, the language uh, level translation was something that we, we had to let's say, anticipate that pressure would come to have it multilingual because it's it's kind of a yeah. how you do it. You have different language regions. Yeah. You don't want to be disregarding yeah. any it's of a them. Political, it's like a political, exactly, a political it has dimension. A political right? dimension. But yeah. we were like, we won't do that because it's not, it's not efficient. We want to be effective first before being more efficient and and how did you manage getting them on board beyond just like laying out the facts right like what would you believe to be the facts so how did you how did you get them on board by literally laying out uh, a roadmap how we would go by milestones but also what we would be uh trying to figure out so really listing the assumptions the hypotheses the tests that we were running how we were doing it and what we could expect to have learned by when and really like laying out a learning roadmap okay. and the measures, the respective measures. And even then there, there were moments where we, of course, we had pressure and it was like, okay, but hey, we want to accelerate and like revenue is not yet there. We need to accelerate right. further. We can oh, invest. Yeah, right. You had the now. pressure to scale like prematurely. So class, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Um, and then you had probably certain lead indicators there for success and not not all of them came true i suppose because otherwise you could just adhere to the roadmap yes that was the second key element to actually anticipate and make it very clear from the onset that this would remain agile that this would not be set and and fixed and and you know set in stone but that would be 
the general, let's say, uh, channel within we will be learning and experimenting and and like having our uh, innovation thesis, basically, our like our larger overarching innovation thesis within which we wanted to explore and learn and to make sure that we were hitting the sweet spot because there were also uh, we were not in an isolated context. We had uh, a fully functioning organization around us with its own challenges. And our goal was to help as much with uh, as possible with existing challenges, but then also to go beyond, right, to go further. And so the next thing was, for instance, was the, the type of portfolio in terms of what would we be offering and why. And there was also uh, uh, like, we had an idea of what the full-fledged portfolio would look like, where we could bring it to, but we didn't start right away with the full offering because we were trying to figure out what is the top three uh, types of offers, um, very specifically online training only, so completely self-study uh, in an in a e-learning setting. The second one was blended uh, with a tutor, so a human tutor, which from experience and from, from uh, benchmarking, we knew that was the most effective way to learn, but more expensive, of course, for the customer because there is more human time involved and it's less scalable, it's less flexible, but we did that in an interactive setting, uh, which now seems to be the standard thanks, uh, quote unquote, to COVID-19, but back then it was still something where the let's say legacy organization we came from was more used to physical on-site training. And so you, we wanted to bring that into the digital realm. Did you ever involve leadership into making, into making predictions? Um, yes, because we had regular uh, steering committee sessions. And uh, we, one of the ways we basically went about this was really by a traffic light system. So very, okay, are right. we in the green or orange? The goal was never right. to go into the red, of course, because you would have an early uh, indicator. So how do you go into the, how do you go into, into the red? How does it go into the red? Um, there were, uh, I think, one or two occasions where it went into the red, where we really had to just maneuver around a major roadblock. And <laughs> that, I think that's typically kind of the realm. I'm, I'm not confident or comfortable enough sharing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, got you know, typically yeah. where, where you realize, okay, this is clearly where we need to pivot, right? Like yeah. a major pivot in terms of the product offering, for instance, yeah. where... You know, you need to fundamentally change something about the, the core offering. Yeah. Hey, let me let me take you let me take this back like mm -hmm. like five minutes ago. So so when you say about how many how many new insights do you want to get like your learning cycles, I think you mentioned that mm -hmm. you actually said yeah. like a like a KPI around it. Is that is that correct? Yes. What yes. was your how did you what was the number? How did you do it? Hmm. Well, also we had what we wanted to get to and what we felt was realistic to start with. Yeah, What sure, we wanted to absolutely. get to ideally yeah. was a weekly cycle with weekly right. insights. That was, right. that was kind so, of a goal. So one new, one new insight a week, basically? Yeah, exactly. One experiment and a week or whatever you want to call it, yeah? One, one experiment a week or, or like running experiments bi-weekly, but gaining insights weekly was the idea. We wanted to, as much as possible, gain even several insights with, uh, right. with one experiment. Right. right, yes, yes. And we knew, however, that we, we could not um, 
overstretch like when you take a car you you of course you can accelerate and then put in the clutch and then it just like it it you know mm -hmm. it kills mm -hmm. the engine right it's yeah. better to start yeah. slow yes. uh, ease into yes. it and then accelerate and that's yes. typically what we did so we were like hey in the beginning we realistically have to do monthly cycles because we, yes. we don't have yet yes. okay. the, the the mindset yeah. we don't yet have how long did it resources. take to that's exciting. So how long um, did it take for, for when it, you know, like this is might be exciting, you know, for listeners, you yeah. know, you started and they can mm -hmm. benchmark themselves a little bit. Like, so you, yeah. you started with monthly sort of experimentation mm -hmm. or inside cycles. And then that, yeah. what that after, <laughs> after three months, that Actually, changed, I, have, or? I have to admit, we started with monthly, our goal was monthly and we had to extend it first. Actually, oh, beautiful. It was more Thanks going towards that. a quarterly thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We were like, hey, a month yes. is feasible. It's ambitious. But, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, having the startup mindset, the learning fast, yeah. failing forward yeah. fast, et cetera. Yeah. And then you realize, well, yes, that works for us, but we need to bring everything with us, everyone yeah. with us, the organization yeah. with us. It's this, this African proverb saying, if you want to go fast, uh, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's right. really the thing. We wanted to get far, to go far. So we needed to bring the rest of the organization with yeah. us, starting with our top leader sponsors. And yeah. so we actually then went a bit more into a bi-monthly, if not quarterly cycle to start with wow. at the very beginning. <laughs> wow, yeah. And then actually accelerated to the monthly cycle. Wow. And that took uh, so two cycles of more a quarter. So there you go half a year is over for two wow. cycles and wow. then in the second half year we accelerated a bit more towards the bi-monthly and then yeah. monthly cycles yeah. and you know so that's yeah. that's the reality right yeah no that's great no that's wonderful thank you so much for sharing that it went i mean well. in the end we, we literally after three years it came to a, to a close so to speak where we integrated this corporate startup into the actual and it's a cooperative structure into mm. the cooperative structure because yeah. we were feeling that Super now difficult. to scale and to really solve the scale yeah. up challenge yeah. now we have to integrate it now we have to be one of the portfolio projects or of the portfolio offerings which yeah. are more in the digital and blended learning realm yeah. and since we we structured it in that way in the very beginning so that it could actually scale we managed from the early early onset these uh connecting points this mm. interface i like yeah. to call it right to yeah, not have a good foundation a fully right? de-risk startup and then you still have the same let's say post mna challenge where it's like you realize whoa but there's a cultural uh, clash there is a uh, there's different practices that are not compatible with each other. So this compatibility, compatibility challenge and scale up challenge, we managed from the very early start of actually de-risking and figuring mm. out what was the, 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 in the, the type of innovation that was working in this realm. We at the same time made sure that it would work at scale. And I think that's mm. really the key also. That's yet another layer. So it's not just about successfully de-risking your corporate startup it's also successfully anticipating that you can then hit the next level of scale once you have basically proven the yeah. the concept and the commercial pilot has been successful i think that's a really tricky one as well yeah it's it's not just going from idea to yeah. to income yeah. it's really to go to impact that next step to really scale uh income customers to move over from innovation accounting to classical financial yeah. management accounting yeah. is yeah. kind of the mirror image of that. 
I don't know. It sounds almost counterintuitive. It sounds like you're you're making it more of a thing than it needs be or than it has to be. But it is a real challenge, even if you have a, a successfully running unit uh, in a in a certain context to really take it to the next level and uh, you know leverage the biggest win win possible then you really need to to plan for that from the early mm -hmm. onset. And that's why the next step for us was then to integrate not only the corporate startup into the corporate structure, but to set up a, a catalyst for entrepreneurial practices. We called it the, the InnoLab, the Learning Innovation Lab, because that was the plan was basically to influence the whole organization, to make the organization more of a learning organization one. And Right. Not, you know, using the agile and all that, which is part yeah. of it. But it was really about how can we be a learning organization? Yes. Yes. Uh, overall. You. Yeah. That's pretty much that's very axiomatic. Right. So then that gets us maybe back mm -hmm. to like this uh, KPI. Where's the cutoff? Right. When you think about mm -hmm. we, we want to we, we know we need to well, if we don't learn, we don't make progress. Right. We don't know if we make progress if we learn, but we certainly don't make progress if we don't learn. Right. So we need to get the new insights period. We need to be a learning organization, period. Right? Um, ultimately, we want to create new sustainable business models and so on, but like, so we need to learn. Now, we can say, yeah, we learn like one, one inside a week or like we can take this further. But anything that reports around how much a team learns, how many insights a team gathers, that, that kind of reporting, right, that you can create then mm -hmm. to the manager, like we're in the organization until what level of the organization is that still useful? Like, think about it, like, you know, we're reporting all the way through, mm. I don't know, to share all this, right? So, mm -hmm. <laughs> is it, like, where do you think, where do you see that, like, maybe in the future, or where do you see that in the past? Uh, mm -hmm. Where do you see that right now, like, you know, as a management tool to, mm -hmm. to, to better understand um, or to more fairly maybe um, judge teams at the end of the day, right? Ideally, like, it's it's a full stack thing, I would say. Full stack, I mean, it, it holistically goes transversally across the organization from literally top to bottom. And and I, I mean, ideally, modern organizations are pretty flat in terms of hierarchy anyhow and more decentralized in terms of power. So more entrepreneurial, let's say, freedom of decision-making and, and actions that you can take. Um, in our case, we were lucky that actually our top sponsor and uh, uh, let's say steering committee director was the HR director. And uh, in the process, actually towards the end of our corporate venture became the CEO of the company. So we were really well suited basically to expand the influence of the learnings yeah. and the, let's say the, the leverage was of course great having the, the number one guy of the company basically as your sponsor, mm. but it's, it's not done with that and it, it needs to be democratic. I think it's really not about, and that's very Swiss, but uh, it's, it's about democratic yes. decision-making and it's about consensus rather I don't than know how much we have uh, to explain that 
you know uh, <laughs> we don't. Uh, no we won't there, there's um no we won't um, yeah let, let's <laughs> just say we're 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 big on consensus we're very big on consensus yeah. because again it helps you go far maybe rather than go fast because uh it takes some time to gain consensus but once you have it you you are stable so mm. that's why also i'm all about agility within stability and vice versa uh it, i think it's it's very important to be clear on it is a transversal thing it goes from top to bottom and then really okay what however is the strategically the the vision the goal the mission and how can we break it down at the relevant layers of you know there's different ways to to skin that cat my wife hates when i use this expression <laughs> it's kind of a violent one but anyhow so there's there's so many different ways to to do this uh, but basically it's always okay from top to bottom what is our how do we uh, see our structure within that company uh, what is the relevant levels that we want to address and how can we custom tailor the the metrics, the KPIs uh, to these layers? So there's not a cookie cutter, one size fits all approach, right. I would say. When you, when you then gather new insights, how did you record them? Like we spoke about this before, mm -hmm. like I know, but yeah. I, you know, this is obviously a little bit, mm -hmm. a little bit way back and stuff. It's not necessarily, mm -hmm. I know, not necessarily your, your vision, but like, how, how did you, yeah. how did you do it? And where do you think, how could it be done better? What is your vision there in terms of, mm. you know, storing, like when you, you talk about learning, like, let me just frame it quickly. Yes. So we talk about yeah. maybe more for, I mean, we spoke about this before, but just to frame it a little mm -hmm. bit. So we talk about learning organizations and, and in a sense, that's, you know, that knowledge is, you know, it's yeah. an asset, right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Potentially. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. you might gather a new inside and just doesn't help you. Absolutely. You might learn the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. Also good to know, mm -hmm. by the way, how yeah. often that happens and why that happens and how that can be improved. Right? Because it all costs money. But you know, there might be some Absolutely. gemstones in there and there might be some really good things in there. That, like, you know, we repeat uh, experiments over and over, like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, like teams like all across the organization learn the same thing. Very often they don't know anything about each other and so on. So there's, there's an exactly. issue around that. I just want to frame that quickly. Exactly. So how, yeah. like maybe if you want to speak to that, maybe was there something that was really done, done really well already back then or, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know, yeah, how do you there's, that, that, uh, you know, there's a saying that goes closely to what you were just describing at Nestle back in my Nestle times, we used yeah. to say if Nestle knew what Nestle knows, Oh, no way you said you said it back then yeah we wow. we used to say that yeah wow. that was wow. 10 years back almost and uh it was wow. very true there was a huge challenge in terms of actually in that sense learning organization knowledge management how yeah, do you yeah. how do you figure out who is working on what who is learning what and how can you share that and there were initiatives which by the way nesca for dolce gusta i think one of the things they were doing really well on a global level was regular sharing sessions with the european markets and then the european markets helping the other regions in their rollouts you know to avoid the same mistakes or, or actually to benefit from the learnings that had already been drawn and whatever we were doing uh, we tried to also map it in a way of okay what is the learning objective what is our hypothesis how do we test this and what does success look like and what is the time frame and then record it 
So already then, and I was I was the guy running around. Alex Oswald is gonna love this. Running around with uh, you know business model design, and and uh, before that even uh, the business model uh, generation, where it was really uh, a case study. Nescafe, or let's say Nestle's coffee portfolio with Nescafe, soluble coffee, uh, Nespresso at the he top. He used it the all the time. He used it back and, then. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I'm just realizing yes. that was so the was standard like, example. Guys, we're yeah. a case study in this book. And, you know, so uh, we, we need to apply this framework. And it absolutely makes sense. And that was. That was the starting point, and I was so excited then to see that with value proposition design, he he went more into also the lean startup, lean innovation, realm, etc. But anyhow, now I'm digressing. Uh, so what kind of lear- what kind of learning cards did sharing. yeah? What what kind of report mm-hmm. like did you use report cards back then? Did you use strategizing not tools yet. or not yet? Actually, yet. not yet. No, no, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. even yeah. I think before these existed. To be honest, it was the very early. It, the, the The book had just been launched. The the business model generation. It, it came out and I was like getting it and going through it and, and also realizing that already when I was working in marketing or working in sales, I had been doing to quite some degree, I had been applying a scientific method. It was always like, okay, if we want to, if you want to see what works, we need to yeah, it's measure about, it's it. It's a bit older than some people think, right? It's, uh, you know, <laughs> so like, okay. So, and yeah. I mean, even my father was, was doing lean startup with one problem, one customer and, and his solution that he co-developed with them. But that's yet another story. Uh, and lean startup didn't exist yet, the term yeah. at least, before, yeah. you know, Eric Ries and, and uh, Steve yeah. Blank. And anyhow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so knowing, figuring out who knows what, what is being worked on in a global context yeah. of an organization, but also cross-departmentally and cross-functionally. Yeah. And how can you, that's the first step, yeah. mapping what is being worked on, what are the projects, what are the challenges, and so on and so forth, to understand what's going on in the organization and to some degree then leverage these synergies and realize, hey, okay, uh, the Spanish team is working on something similar like the Thai team now in Thailand. So how can we interface and how can we, you know, leverage these these learnings and sync? So you managed to do that. Uh, not me directly. That was the yeah. organization. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. we were, yeah. you know, one of the pioneering markets in Switzerland uh, because yeah. the project has been launched uh, between it was Germany, UK, France, and Switzerland were amidst the first markets basically to launch the, the project. And then, mm. so kind of naturally, you you are the ones people turn to for, hey, how have you done this? Because you have already been there. Right, yeah. and but that was proactively uh, pushed. Actually, that was institutionalized. This kind of knowledge sharing and this oh, yeah, exchange, and that that is something I really loved. Uh, that you know we were doing this, and I think then we on a market level, and that was more than my let's say bring this a step further. We also did that together with Nespresso teams, because I was like, wait, I, I don't see any reason why we should be internally not learning from each other even also across divisions across departments etc even to a degree we were co-petitors right between Nescafe Dolce Gusto and Nescafe and Nespresso did you say say co-petitors yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then yeah so and still we we belong to the same organization right we have 
learnings to share. We we want to serve our customers best. Yes. Uh, that's a that's, on, we, that's a beautiful know. topic, by the way. Mm. The co the competitor topic and how you know how <laughs> how bad that can be. You know, in, in yeah. terms of you know if you don't share if you don't share mm -hmm. knowledge suddenly, yeah. you know either. Like, yeah, you can you can you yeah. can imagine like the old the old you know competitive spirit in organizations and you know yeah. crush your competitor and we you know we mm. get better and we you know we weed out yeah. you know we weed out the people that are not strong whatever you know like yeah. how incredibly counterproductive that would be yeah. you know Absolutely. when it comes to a learning organization yeah. potentially yeah, so we started really setting up regular uh first very informal and more and more formalized exchanges with the espresso teams on a mm. on a market level right mm. in the in the swiss market mm. and there is a thing like Nestle in the market, which is not just the market per se, but also what uh, we called the globally managed businesses. So that also englobes that and takes it in the larger context. And so we were truly, I think, living that and pushing that further. It was all about sharing, exchanging, uh, co-collaborating, co-creating things. Like even you know when you when you had to. Uh, update your uh, your market business strategy, as it was called, or your your uh, uh, business plan for the next uh, you know three years, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We were like, hey, um, why don't we sound the higher level market trend expectations that we have with our colleagues? Why should we have a different view? Why should we get a kind of a shared vision nice. and the shared expectation of market evolution and where? trends are going to and what consumers will be doing more and less of nice. and so on and so forth. Wow, so there must be such a high pressure to be right also in this like we're talking about innovation thesis yeah. these day these days. Like make mm -hmm. sure we you know we treat we treat strategy a bit like product ideally, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of the, the North Star. Like fair mm -hmm. fast on your on your on your strategy, right? Because that's gonna mm -hmm. that's gonna chew up a Absolutely. lot of resources if you're wrong. No? And so Absolutely. and so when you talk about when you, so what I'm hearing there is that there are like strong opinions probably for survival reasons mm -hmm. as well you know like no i'm right no i'm right and then uh you know maybe both of them are wrong potentially but they're not coming together not both mm -hmm. parties are not coming actually together to 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 make it better huh? mm -hmm. so that's another mm -hmm. structural issue you're describing yeah yeah so i suppose that's yeah. that's something you, you you're helping organizations with today right to, to break that stuff down huh? so how how yes. do you go about that like this particular topic maybe do you want to do you want to give something away with yeah I, I think this is really where uh i am lucky to be able to draw from this you know experience in in big corporations big organizations let's say on the one hand side yeah. uh stuff like what i've shared with these challenges kind of having been there and done that you know uh how can we improve uh sharing how can we improve a, a common strategy common vision and then how can we measure and break it down and accelerate learning and you know the learning cycles and the, so learning velocity and an insight velocity but then that's the let's say um ex to a certain degree execute or exploit side and then there's the explore side as well right when yeah. you talk about ambidexterity in organizations and you have to mm -hmm. explore and, and execute or exploit side and we really I see this as a yin and yang, as like uh, it only goes together in symbiosis. So you need this stability of the big organizations. That's great. But then you also need the agility and the speed 
and the learning faculties of like the startups, the lean startups. And so we try to bring these two worlds together. We help startups, uh, so entrepreneurs, as much as entrepreneurs, because often startups, they have the speed, they have the agility, they, they can learn, but sometimes they, they you know, lack a little bit of direction and of strategic alignment and of planning. And so they need a bit what the big guys do well to get to a certain stability to be, let's say, even more effective rather than efficient. And on the other side, the other extreme of the scale, we help the big guys become faster and more agile again and to truly innovate and not just play innovation theater, but really move the needle, as Brandt Cooper would say. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's really what is exciting. We play in a pretty broad spectrum um, of challenges, but the common denominator is always, okay, how can you be effective and efficient together? And how can we catalyze this to leverage, to really unleash this full potential? And uh, that, that's why I'm so passionate about working with entrepreneurs as much as entrepreneurs. The common denominator is this pioneering spirit. And it's that they're, the, the people we're working with, and we love to work with this, they're all purpose-driven. They really want to make an impact. It's not just about making money and about you know, successfully proving that you're onto something, but it's, we call it innovating with impact. What's your biggest secret you can give us in terms of changing organizations? What do you think is your... Is there something the you biggest, feel like? <laughs> if there's, I don't know, there's maybe one big secret. I don't know whether it's the biggest. And it's, uh, it's also true to life in general, I would say. And it's also my favorite song. Uh, uh, start with the man in the mirror. It's really very often the case that you have nice. leaders, you have you know, potential nice. clients that, that contact us and are like, okay, uh, we want this or we need more of that. And uh, it often also involves them taking a good hard look you know, at themselves first and their organization, yeah. mm. because it's often what I tell them then is like, okay, if not you, who, and if not now, when, if you want real change, you may have to change yourself and you have to be willing to do that. Right. And it starts with changing yourself. Only then can you change your organization. You represent yeah. a big chunk of your organization as a senior leader, you know? Yeah. So that, that may yeah. sound very basic, but it's uh Yes, and that's where involving them, first of all, having empathy for them and understanding why there's yeah, resistance nice. to change, right? Is even nice. maybe that they don't see where to even possibly change yeah. to begin with. It also takes empathy again, back to yeah. back to the start yeah. point. Yeah. And and understanding and 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 um compassion beyond empathy. It takes yes. compassion to not force anything to give it the time it needs to organically evolve. And yeah. I mean, then there's also the song is called start with the man in the mirror. It could be a woman in the mirror as well. Right. Thanks uh, for saying that. I appreciate In an organization and as a senior leader in an organization, organizational leader, it's so important to create an environment of psychological safety. Yeah. For yeah. yourself. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, yes, to be vulnerable. Nice, nice. And yes, yeah, to nice. not to not to feel like you have to be perfect because nobody is, nobody can yes. be, and you shouldn't even aspire to be. 
it's about progress, not yeah. perfection. Yeah, and I want to so add, please measure it so you in. can, please yeah. measure it. Everybody <laughs> who says it, please start measuring it, right? It's mm. not that tricky, actually. Like, we talk a lot about yeah. culture and, you know, it's not that well-defined very often. Um, psychological safety, you know, might as well fall under that. And um, I think that's, yeah. that's, that's measurable yeah. and you can start doing that today exactly. across all levels of is, your organization and drive and that. That's why typically... Yes, and that's why or typically... at least drive we, it where it's super always, important. Like at least drive it yeah. within innovation teams and, yes. and within that, that branch, like where it's just yeah. super, super, super important for, mm. for outcome, right? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I just, that needed to be said. And, and exactly, I couldn't agree more. And that's why also I believe with, with Swiss Sleep, the way we operate is always sort of threefold on at least three levels, which is really from the individual, right? And that can be the top senior leader or it can be the the practitioner in the organization uh but the team let's say level as well and the organizational level as well are so important so i think you cannot yeah. really dissociate them if mm -hmm. you want effective culture change or let's say yeah. evolution which we yeah. are all about you need to cover all three dimensions from the individual over to the teams and then the organization including the ecosystem Uh, surrounding the organization or the organization as an ecosystem and uh, and that is really something that i'm so passionate about because it's uh, it's just a matter of where do you focus on how do you adjust your your lens your zoom right because even an individual is an ecosystem in its full right so you, yeah. okay you focus on the individual you focus on the team it interacts he or she mm -hmm. interacts with And then, okay, what is the larger context of the ecosystem? And I think really aligning these different elements or different layers, levels, is so crucial. And I would say we really specialize in these interfaces in between. So it's really like zoom in to the level, the individual or the organization, but then also zoom out to, okay, and what are the interactions about? This, I think, when you said culture, to me, one of the simplest definitions of organizational culture is attitudes and beliefs times behaviors and practices and it's really so again uh look at the individual but look at the how individuals interact with each other and how in which environment in which kind of behaviors are not just tolerated but are actually encouraged and fostered right And then, okay, do you have a strategic vision and are you actually measuring progress towards achieving that mission? And, yes. Uh, I think that's, that's where it comes full circle. <laughs> I, I, I have a title now for, for the podcast for today. At least a working Good. title. Yeah, The Man in the Mirror. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And it's, it's so, actually, it's I, funny. Did, did you know that it's not Michael Jackson who wrote that song? Uh, it's no. Saida Garrett I'm but I'm Saida terrible Garrett I actually that I, now that you say Michael Jackson I realize it was <laughs> yeah. sorry I couldn't hear uh -huh. you excuse me Sayed, Saida Garrett is, uh, is right. the she wrote that song for, for Michael Jackson oh nice there you go yeah. Yeah. woman in the mirror I love that song especially the, the acapella uh, versions of it anyhow I love it man in the mirror I like that <laughs> So yeah, reach Oliver uh, on LinkedIn at, I'm not sure, just look for Oliver Dura, D-U-R-R-E-R, -R -E and there will be a link. And I'm absolutely new to this, but there will be all sorts of links there. Uh, do you Twitter? 
Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitter, LinkedIn. Swiss Leap website. Oh, Swiss uh, Leap. Yeah. Yeah. Leap yeah. stands for Lasting Enterprise Action Practices, by the way. So that's good to know, I think. And um, yeah, we'll make sure there's some links and stuff. And uh, yeah, cool. Thanks for that. Cool. Thanks, Oliver. Thank you. <laughs>